of Genesis chapter 45 verse 40 Genesis 45 and 5 while you're turning there obviously give honor to our pastor first lady right out of town I love my pastor amen thankful for leadership in my life I'm glad I have a voice in my life what a message brother Bass preached last fall Voices in our lives. I'm so thankful I got the voice of the man of God in my life. In Jesus' name. Just real quick, I want to give a praise report. Y'all kind, wonderful, loving people support us in Sandpoint and the other God of Works out of this church. God is doing great things in Sandpoint. Revival is happening. We've, a group of people are hungry, searching, looking. We've got the retired Church of God pastor and his wife coming. They love it. People are searching for what we have. We People have left another church looking, wanting the spirit. They're, the only way they can describe it is simply what it is, is the moving of the spirit. Well, with all the lights and the flashes and cool programs, we're forgetting the one thing that is most important, and that is the Holy Ghost. And so, I'm just excited. We baptized a family. They visited, now how cool is this? They visited, this was the last, of, the end of October, last October. They visited here on a Sunday morning. We were in California, Elder Sergeant connected with this young couple. Lo and behold, they live about 30 minutes north of Sandpoint. But thank the Lord they got the information. We connected. And through another couple that would have been coming to church. Now, let me tell you, people are connected. They really are. Now, I know I, we live in a smaller area. And it's people, you kind of get to know people going to the grocery store and gas station and all that. But through another couple that was coming, they were invited. Now, I wasn't expecting this young couple, but I was shaking people's hands as they came in the door, and the one gentleman, I introduced myself with my first name. He said, well, there should be another Jared here. And I said, really? I said, is his wife's name Amber? And he said, well, actually it is. And I said, you've got to pray. Well, it's this young couple that we've been emailing, and they came into church, and they love it. We baptized them and one of their daughters in Jesus' name. They are excited about what's God doing. You know what? They they're, they they still attend another church, but every time they're not serving and being a part of that, they're at our church, Cornerstone. And I love it, and I'm excited. I believe God's going to fill them with the Holy Ghost. He's seeking the Holy Ghost in Jesus' name. So God's doing great things. Amen. Genesis chapter 45, verse 5 says, Now therefore be not grieved nor angry with yourselves that ye sold me hither, for God did send me before you to preserve life. God did send me before you to preserve life. Just for a few moments here today, I'm going to preach on this subject, the process of being preserved. 
the process of being preserved. Why don't you put your Bible down? Why don't we lift our voices up one more time and ask God to help us in this place. Jesus, God, we love you. Thank you for your day. Thank you for another opportunity to come into your presence, Lord, to worship you. God, we're so thankful for your spirit that we feel here today. God, open the eyes of our hearts. God, let us receive your word. God, let us leave differently than we have come here tonight. God, we ask it all in your name, in Jesus' name. And everyone said amen. Hallelujah. In Jesus' name. The process of being preserved. Now, many of us adults and young adults have used the utensils in your kitchen. And if you're going to chop something up, cut something, slice it, you're going to go and sometimes there is a block and you would pull out a knife to do those things. Now, all knives are not created equal. And how many has been frustrated with a kitchen knife that wouldn't cut through the sheet of paper? Well, in the process of making, I'm going to use this word a lot tonight, so just buckle your seatbelts and get ready for it. But in the process of making a knife, de depending on the type of material that is used, uh, you would harden that knife. A good knife that would hold an edge has been hardened, and not only hardened, but tempered. What that means simply is to harden that piece of steel is to bake it, to cook it, to all the, the, the carbon would come out. You were removing all the impurities of that knife. And so you would take that blade and heat it up to 1,400 degrees Fahrenheit. You do this for, with a torch of some sort. And then... After you reach that maximum temperature, you would quickly quench that knife immediately in room temperature water or oil. Quenching the steel rapidly cools it so the alloys inside harden together and they stay together. At this point, the knife has been hardened, but you can't stop there. When it is hardened, it's so hard that it is brittle. Now this, that may seem silly to you, but that piece of steel is so hard that any abuse that you would give to it, it would break. But you have to go on and temper the blade. And so from there, you would take that blade and place it in the oven at 375 degrees for four, or excuse me, for three hours. After those three hours, the blade would cool and set on that shelf of the oven, typically overnight. This allows the blade to normalize and keep its hardness and structure. And lastly, the most important thing on a knife is putting an edge on it. This is where the, uh, the skilled hands would take belts and uh, uh, different kinds of rocks and materials and work the edge until it was sharp. But it's critical and important that in a hardened, tempered knife, of this manner, not to get it too hot. If you 
reach a temperature to which it is bluing the steel again, then you have ruined the integrity of that temperature. It's a it's a very uh, it's a skill that has to be mastered. It's very it's very it's a process. You got you got to take your time with it. You got to have a careful eye and to make sure that edge is complete on both sides and equal. And then there's nothing greater than that sharp, dark knife being used, put to work. But the amazing thing about an incredible knife of that manner is that edge is not good for a lifetime. The more you use it, the more dull it becomes. And so once again, you've got to take out the wet rock, those pieces of sandpaper, what uh, whatever uh, 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 skilled hand would choose. There's different methods of this. And carefully, once again, place that edge. It's a process. This is a very careful process which you have to uh, uh, in, endure and take through to, to, to make an incredible knife. I've seen some pictures of incredible handmade knives. They're, they're amazing. But it takes a skilled person through many years of practice and many hours of practice to be able to skillfully make a knife that is so incredibly sharp. It's a process, a careful process. You can't skip any measurements. You can't skip any steps in this process. It's got to be precise. You cannot overheat the steel once you reach a point in the steel that it gets so hot that it will just fold over and break and fall apart. It's just that, it's that eye, you're looking at the color of it, and you're watching the temperature of that blade. It's carefulness. What's your point tonight, preacher? We're all in a process. Every one of you tonight, every one of us, myself included. We're all in a process. It doesn't matter if you, this is your first time to visit here. It doesn't matter if you've just started living for God. We're all in a process. God is processing the sinner to direct them to salvation. God is processing the new convert from salvation to sanctification. God is processing the saint to preserve them on this earth and for eternity. We are all in a process. It doesn't matter how little or how long you have lived for God. You're in a process. You don't, le- uh, you don't reach a status. You don't uh, reach a level in living for God that you're no longer uh, being processed. As long as you're sincere in living for God, as long as you're sincere and taking and being obedient to the Word of God and the man of God in your life, you are going to be processed. It's simply because you and I have a flesh. Now, all the things that God would remove from us and take out of his children's life to help them. He will not remove your flesh. But it's by the power of the Holy Ghost that it would live inside of you that you can overcome your flesh. But it's always a process. Look at your neighbor and say, we're being processed. We find the man Joseph. In Genesis chapter 37 and verse 4, Joseph finds favor. 
And when his brethren saw that their father loved him more than all his brethren, they hated him and could not speak peaceably unto him. Joseph, oh, he was so loved by his father. Now this is a, I've always, I love this story. This is probably my favorite Bible story. And I think it kind of hits home because I'm the youngest of four boys and my three oldest brothers Love to give me a hard time about me being a daddy's boy. Truthfully, I was a mama's boy. I love my dad, though. But they hated him. They seen the favoritism. And we see in verse 5 in that same chapter that Joseph had a dream. He dreamed a dream and he told his brethren. And they hated him yet the more. Joseph, he just was so pure and innocent that He just loved God so much and had such a great attitude. He just wanted to tell everybody and everything about his life. And I dreamed a dream. And this dream basically, and to save time here tonight, I won't go into all the details. But one day, you're going to bow down before me, brothers. And we find in verse 10 in chapter 37, again, Joseph had another dream. And we find there that his father rebuked him. Because once again, they would bow down to him. Joseph is not starting out very well in this story with his brothers. They hated him. They couldn't stand him. But Joseph was just a pure man. He was just a pure pure individual to where he just doing what he was told and living life to the fullest. And he didn't know any better, but his father told him one day to go check on his brothers in the field. So there he goes. Took him a moment, but he found his brethren, and quickly after that, they came up with a scheme, and they were going to get rid of him. But one brother said, no, we can't kill him. I won't stand for that. We ain't going to kill him. But we'll make it look like he's died. And so they threw him in a pit. But here came some Ishmaelites, and they thought, ah, even better. We'll get rid of him. We'll sell him to the Ishmaelites. They sold him into slavery for 20 pieces of silver. His brothers made it to look like he was killed like an animal. They went back to their father. He was all but, uh, by, uh, beside himself. He couldn't, couldn't believe it. His son that he favored so much had died. He had been killed. I can't believe it. Can you imagine today you fathers can sympathize with this father here. My son, he's He's been killed. I can't believe it. But can you imagine the thoughts, the the internal agony that Joseph was going through? My goodness. I just love everybody. I just love life. Now my brothers have sold me into slavery. What he didn't realize was quickly after that he was going to be sold again to Potiphar. But through this all, we got to remind ourselves that Time and time again through this story that Jesus, I mean, excuse me, Joseph kept his integrity. He always did what was right. He he had a a pure spirit and a right attitude. It didn't matter what was going to happen to me, good or bad, I'm going to choose to do what's right. And so we find that the Lord was with Joseph and he became, became a successful man serving in the household of the Egyptian master. He found favor with his master. He was favored so much that he became his personal attendant. 
He was accused eventually. He, he was just incredible. He had integrity. He, he was on it. He, did, he was, uh, like they say around here, and like we practice around here, it was done with the spirit of excellence. Joseph had it. But again, in process of time, seemed like everything was going good for Joseph. And then, bam, he was accused of sleeping with Potiphar's wife. Potiphar's wife was accusing him. She, she was pursuing him, and he would run every time. He, he would flee from her, but she grabbed a hold of his garment one day and was ripped. So she falsely accused Joseph. Falsely accused, lied upon him. There he was thrown into jail quickly. But quickly, right after being thrown in jail, Joseph again find favor, favor, excuse me, find favor waiting upon him. We find in Genesis chapter 39 and verse 19, Brother Clark. And it came to pass when he was his master heard the words of his wife, which she spake unto him, saying, After this manner did thy servant do to me, that this wrath was kindled. Verse uh, 20 there, Brother Clark. And Joseph's masters took him and put him into the prison and placed where the king's prisoners were bound. And he was there in the prison. The, but the Lord was with Joseph. We find this time and time again. The Lord was with Joseph and showed him mercy and gave him favor in the sight of the keeper of the prison. Verse 22, and the keeper of the prison committed to Joseph, hand all the prisoners that were in that prison. And to whatsoever they did there, he was the doer of it. Verse 23 says, and the keeper of the prison looked not to anything that was under his hand, because the Lord was with him, and that which he did, the Lord made it prosper. Thrown in jail, lied upon. Once again, God's mercy, his favor was found in that thing. He ran the jail. He was a prisoner himself, but he ran that thing. He was the, the head chief, if you will, and he had it all under control. Just doing what he was doing. And then one day came along Potiphar's chief, excuse me, Pharaoh's chief cupbearer and chief baker. Was thrown into jail. They had some dreams. Joseph interprets these dreams for him. They both came to pass as he interpreted them. The cupbearer was restored his position in Pharaoh's kingdom, but the baker was hung. The chief cupbearer was supposed to remember Joseph. Joseph told him, remember me. But quickly, he forgot it. We find two, two years later that Potiphar, excuse me, there's there's. Potiphar and Pharaoh, I keep getting them confused. Pharaoh had a dream. Pharaoh's wise men and magicians could not interpret his dream. And then it triggered in that cupbearer's mind. And he remembered a man named Joseph. They go get Joseph. And Joseph interprets this dream. There's going to be seven years of abundance followed by seven years of famine. In those seven years of abundance, they were to store up the excess food. 
so that in the famine there would be plenty. Pharaoh recognized the hand of God that was on Joseph. He realized that this was no ordinary man, that the wisest man in, uh, in, my, in my kingdom, and the magicians that I, I lean on could not interpret this. So this has to be a man of God. And quickly we find again that he was restored a position in this kingdom. Not only a position, but the position. We find that uh, whoever came and went out of the land of Egypt had to go through Joseph. He was Pharaoh's right-hand man. He had it all under control. Joseph was restored once again. He was right on top, being processed through this all. Everything, the ups and downs. He, he, he's, you think he's had, you, excuse me, you think he had it bad? Can you sympathize with this man here today and realize my life's really not that bad? He's been through the ringer and back some. He has been processed. But he's kept his integrity. He's, he kept his, his right spirit and his right attitude. And I'm going to do what's right no matter what. And once again, He's restored a position in this kingdom. We find quickly the seven years of plentiful. His dream that was interpreted, or Pharaoh's dream that was interpreted, was a, it was accurate. And there were seven years of plentiful. And in those seven years, they, he, he overseen, Joseph overseen that the excess food and supplies were stored up for those seven years of famine that was coming. And sure enough, in those seven years of famine, it did it happen. It was it was accurate. It was right. He 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 interpreted it to the to the, the the most accuracy that he could have. And in that second year of those seven years of famine, we find Joseph's brothers show up on the scene again. Jacob, their father, had sent him to go buy some food during this famine. And not only did they show up. They did not recognize Joseph. They find themselves once again, or excuse me, they find themselves in this dream that he has interpreted long ago. They had bowed themselves before Joseph. He recognized them, but they did not recognize him. We find through a process of events of them being sent back to Jacob's household with food and their silver. And they come back with their brother. He's questioning. He, they, all his brothers but one, Benjamin, had come on this journey. And he questioned, is there not another brother? Is, is, there a father, is your father alive? He did not give his identity away in this period. But once again, when they did come the second time, he couldn't stand it any longer. He realized, if I could put it this way, it burned inside of him that I, I've been through all of this. So that I could save my brother's lives and I could save their family and my father's life through these seven years that were coming. God put me through all of this to put me in a position in which I could help. And we find once again in our text, or excuse me, let's go to chapter 45 and verse 1, Brother Clark. Then Joseph could not refrain himself before all them that stood by him. And he cried, because every man could go out from him. He didn't want anybody in that room. Because he wasn't an Egyptian. He, he, he said, I want every one of you removed besides his brothers. 
and there stood no man with him, while Joseph made himself known unto his brothers. He let it all out. I'm Joseph. I'm your brother. Verse 2, though, part. And he wept aloud. And the Egyptians and the house of Pharaoh heard. His, his emotions just was over, he was overcome by it. He could not stand it because he realized what he has endured and what he's been through is for this moment right here to preserve his life and his brothers and their families in his life. I've been through all this, brethren, for our sake. Verse 3, and Joseph said unto his brothers, I am Joseph, doth my father yet live? And his brethren could not answer him, for they were troubled at his presence. Verse 4. And Joseph said unto his brother, come near me, I pray you. And they came near, and he said, I am Joseph, your brother, whom ye sold into Egypt. And then our text tonight, verse 5. Now therefore, be not grieved, nor angry with yourselves, that you sold me hither, for God did send me before you to preserve Now, I know it's real quiet in here tonight, and I know it's, this is not awkward. But I, I've said all this, and we've paraphrased and went through this story and this process of Joseph's life. To once again go back to my beginning remarks in saying that we're all in a process. Whether this is your first time in this church, or whether you are just a new convert, or uh, maybe you've been living for God for years, but we're being processed. We know that this earth that we live on, this world that we're in is not our home, but we're just a passing through. And we're, we're living for God, and we're being obedient to His Word and to the man of God in our life so that we can be preserved. While we're here on this earth, I, I don't know about you, but I, I need the help of God in my life. And I need the hand of God to lead me and take me through all passing. I, I need His help. I wonder if you could remind yourself of the time when God was absent in your life. And the misery and the, the pain and the agony and the, the, the direction you were you were directionalist. You you could not find left to right. You could not tell where you were going up and down because you were in complete darkness. But when you came into this life, you started a process. Now it's up to you and I whether or not we, what we do with this process. Do we embrace it? Do we fall in love with this pra uh, process, or do we do we do we remain with this hardened heart and reject the process in which every one of us have to endure? For when we come to God, we're saved. The Word of God says we're born unto sin. Our flesh is full of sin. It's full of unrighteousness. It, it's so opposite of God. It, they, they cannot coexist. And so when we come to God, there begins a process of elimination of our flesh. And the things that we once did, excuse me, what we did in the world, we don't do any longer. We have, there's a time in which God, when this new convert comes in and when they're filled with the Holy Ghost and baptized in Jesus' name, that God puts them through this beginning process. And very quickly, you don't have to tell people 
how they should dress and what they should look like, but God will begin to talk to them. And God will begin to deal with them, beginning the beginnings of this process. It's called sanctification. And once we, you don't ever really reach that point and we're completely uh, full and uh, uh, we don't need God's help any longer. But every day of our lives, we seek the Word of God. And we find a place of prayer and ask God, help me, Jesus. I'm nothing but a sinner. My flesh is nothing but... Uh, it's nothing but made up of fullness of sin and uh, everything that is opposite of you, God. And I need your help. The quicker that we realize that we need God's help to overcome our flesh, the quicker that we realize that we need this process more than we need anything, the quicker that we'll enjoy living for God, the quicker that we will, we will fall in love with Jesus and the process in which we have to endure. I need God's protection. Has anybody experienced the hand of protection on your life? You should have been in a car accident. You should have, should have been crippled. You should, uh, you should have been killed, but it was the hand of God that protected you. Maybe it wasn't, you, you maybe not even realized it, but you were living in the world simple. Why? Why did God preserve you at that point? Because he had a plan and he had a purpose for your life. And way back when he was still processing you he was pointing you into the direction of the church and pointing you into the job in which you could rub shoulders with a co-worker and they can invite you to an apostolic church we're always being processed when the priest's word of God when pastor comes to this pulpit and draws a line in the sand we're being processed the word of God is it's not always about making us feel good and, man, that's just right. I like it. But sometimes it ought to rub you raw and you, you ought to leave going, I don't know if I like that. But you know what? You're being processed. And if you'll submit yourself to the man of God and to the word of God and submit yourself to this process in which we have to endure ourselves, then we'll be preserved. We're going to be preserved when we're under that umbrella of the anointing and the authority of the man of God in our life. But as soon as we step outside of that umbrella, we're in the unknown of, ah, we're walking a tight line. But as long as you stay in the church, can I get an amen for someone that has, has been in the church and you've been frustrated and living for God and you, you feel like giving up and you, you feel like, but quitting has never been an option. Can anybody testify to say, I, I had a bad attitude and I showed up with a rotten spirit, but I stayed in the church. And today I, I'm being processed. I'm not perfect, but by the help of God, I'm going to make it because I'm in love with him and I'm in love with this process. If God really loves me, then why would he do this to me? If God really loves me, why would he put me through the process? We find that he chasteneth those that he loves. There's something in our carnal flesh that it just rubs God. We, we have to come in alignment with the word of God. We have to apply it. Every aspect of our life, men and Men, we have an agenda. We have a, a purpose in our lives, in our family's life. We have to stand at the doorway and be a filter from everything that comes in and goes out of our homes. We got we to gotta stand up and let God process everything. What we do for entertainment. 
what we watch for entertainment, where we go. I, I'm not the pastor here, but this is the Holy Ghost anointing coming through me right now. You, we're in a process, and God trying to eliminate some distractions in your life. You know what? This world is full of distractions. Full of distractions. It's time that we allow God's process in hand begin to eliminate, maneuver in our life. There's things that you you consecrate to God, that you you lay aside, and it doesn't matter what my peers think. It doesn't what the people around me say. I'm doing this because I love God. God is processing me. Don't ever look down your nose at someone that takes a stand stronger than what pastor draws it. God maybe dealt with them and processed with them, and they realized with my flesh and my carnal mind that I can't handle it. You might be able to draw the line here, but I've got to go over here because God's processing me. That's, that's, come on, saints of God, we're in this together. We ought to be able to encourage one another, be there for one another. We're in this process together. As we grow, the church grows. As we get in the spirit, the church grows. We often hear about it, the spirit of unity. But let me tell you, it's not what scripture says. It talks about this, uh, this unity of the spirit. What does that mean? Yeah, we need the spirit of unity. But what the scripture is saying is, you get in the spirit, there's unity. Unity of the spirit. So when you're not full of the Holy Ghost and when you're acting upon flesh and when you're thinking through your carnal mind, we know the scripture, you've heard me say it before, to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. We cannot afford to come to church and live with God with a carnal mind, but we got to get a spiritual mind. It'll bring you life. It'll bring you peace. I'm enduring this process. I'm, it doesn't feel good sometimes, but it's right. i got to do this. It, has anybody ever done anything that you just did not want to do? There's something inside of you just, I can't, I don't want to do this. I can't stand it. But you knew it was the right thing to do, and you did it. That's what God's trying to do with every one of us. Early on, as new converts and saints of God, God will begin to speak with you and to talk to you and place callings on your life. And through the alignment with the man of God and with the affirmation of the man of God in your life, those things will come to fruition. But you have to be processed. I remember 13 years old at a, a campground in uh, 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 Mustang, Oklahoma, that God placed an anointing and a calling to to pulpit ministry on my life. 13 years old. That seems like a lifetime ago now, but I would never have dreamed being a pastor. And I didn't even know what Sandpoint, Idaho was. But it's all a process. You don't, you don't see how it's going to work. Joseph, he was telling his dreams at the very beginning. He says, I don't, I don't know what this means, bros, but this is what it's going to do. You're going to bow down to me. I don't see how it's going to happen. I don't know how long, but this is the dream that happened. That's, that's when you come to God, that's what begins to happen. God will start stirring on you and moving on you. and Sometimes you don't know what to do with what you're feeling. So you talk to a pastor about it or you talk, about, talk to an elder in the church about it. And they'll help you understand and give you clarity that, yeah, you're not supposed to pack up and sell everything and go in. To Zimbabwe or whatever. But God's just placing a burden on your heart to maybe just pray for you. 
maybe give a little financially to them. That, you know, that's just being in process. But there's some of you here tonight that God's placed very specific anointings and callings on your life. And you gotta, you got to just embrace it. You got to just full steam ahead. You got to embrace it. And you got to, there's going to be some times with your calling that you may have to, when everyone else is going out and having a good time, that you got to just, you got to take a step back and realize, you know what? If I want to be everything that God's called me to be, I, I just, I got to take a step back. Those, those early, as I heard Brother Ewing preach a message years ago, early altars. He was in those early altars that praying, God talking to you that he, he just started dealing with you and calling you. And you didn't know what to do with it. You didn't, I, I didn't know. At 13 years old, I had no idea. I had imaginations and thoughts that I'd be just like my older brother. And how far from the truth that was. Incredible man of God. Don't misunderstand me, but every anointing and calling is not the same. And I'm here to tell you tonight that I was not my brother. And the calling and the anointing that God placed on my life was nothing like his ministry here today. Thank God. I, I, I respect my brother more than just a brother, but as a prophet and a man of God in my life. And if he would call me tonight, I would listen to him as he instructed me. But I, I'm telling you, it was nothing like that. And sometime through this process, if we don't align ourselves, if we let our flesh get in the way, we'll, we'll prolong this process. We'll... We, some of you sitting on pews here tonight should be so much further along than you are, but you've prolonged the process. You've got something in your craw and your spirit and your attitude, and you've resisted the, the word of God and the chastening of a God, and you, you've stalled out the process. God's just saying, if you, if you really want to be used, if you really want to be what I've called you to be, just yield yourself. Be pliable. Let God work on you here tonight. Matter of fact, one of my dearest friends, incredible man, a God calling and anointing on his life. Just a few years ago, struggling, I watched him. I was, I, I, I just watched him, listened to him. He struggled. He was praying. He was, he was fasting. He was trying to do what's right. But it seems like his peers around him was elevated and. His peers around him were being used, and he was frustrated. Why, God? I know you've called me, but why? Why is it not happening for me? Why is it? Why? Where Where? Where have I gone wrong? And driving himself crazy. The truth of the matter is, God was just processing. His time was not yet. And he was frustrated, but he just kept himself yielded to God. I, I watched him. He would pray. And when everybody else was out doing something else, he would, he would just be praying and I'll never forget walking into his house one night and the, the anointing, the power of the Holy Ghost was so strong in that home. And I thought, this is a man that was consecrated. He had a love for God that ran so much deeper than some of those peers that were being used. But what he didn't realize was God was saving him and God was processing him and God was going to use him. And today he is being used. And today God has him in the perfect will of God and he's, he's happy and he's, his ministry is coming to fruition. But he had to stay in the process. If he would have given up, if he would have walked away, then today would he be where he is at? No, he would not. We're in a process. 
Some of you will never stand in a pulpit to preach the word of God. Some of you are called just to be good old saints. And you know what? Thank God we need faithful, consistent saints of God who are still to be processed even in this world. We're not positional. Just being a good old faithful saint. Some of you have that attitude. I've watched some of you run from the call of God. And I, I just, I just want to be somebody that God can use in the church when God's really got a deeper calling on your life and anointing. And I, I, I've watched it. And it's taken time, but it's taken the process. And God is saying, you know what, you're going to bow up, but there's one day that you'll, you'll break and you'll crumble. And God can use a man that is humble and a woman that can humbly say, say God, I don't know how. I don't know how. But God, whatever you have, I'll do it. Whatever you want me to go through, God. Put me through it. I don't want to skip a step, God. I don't want to prolong the process. But God, whatever it is, even if I argue with you, God, please put me through it. Because I want to be in the perfect will of God. Put me through it, God, because I want my family to be saved. God, I'll humble myself because, God, I want my marriage to be saved. Process me, God. Oh, sir, ma'am, you're here tonight, and God's trying to tell you there's some things in your life He wants to eliminate and process out of you. He wants to strip you of some things in your life. It's hindering the move of God in your life. It's hindering your, the, the revival in your, your marriage and in your home. It's, it's hindering those things. But if you'll buck up against it, if you'll be a, have a hard heart, then you'll just prolong it. And you'll have to repeat. And it's like that silly game of Monopoly. You'll have to go right back to the beginning. Start all over again. But if you'll yield yourself. I, whatever, whatever you have, God, whatever you want, I'll, I'll do it. Whatever it looks like, whatever it's got to be, Jesus, I'm still going to be used. Anybody feel that way here tonight? I want to be used. I know this is a different kind of service here, but listen to, to the moving of his spirit here tonight. There's some of you that God wants to use you. You don't see how it's possible God wants to use you. The next person to, to, to start the next daughter work is in this room. The next person to step up and start being uh, a giver and financially giving like you've never had before and to further the kingdom. You're sitting in these pews here tonight. But will you let God process you? He wants to use your finances, sir. But you're, you've got them tied up everywhere else. But he's saying, what about my church? What about the kingdom? What about the souls that are coming through the doors? Oh, come on. Every aspect. I ask you here tonight. I'm almost through. But I ask you to begin to examine your life. What do you got tied up? Is it finances? Is it your time? Let me tell you right now. People think they're. They're, they're, they're so busy living there. That can't fit in in my schedule. But the truth of the matter is, if you, if you want to do something bad enough, you'll move that schedule. And you'll, you'll cancel that and move it to the next day. I'm asking, God's asking you, will you do that for me? 
Will you take out a time of your busy, quote, unquote, schedule and put some time in with me? Or maybe I need some help at the church. And maybe it, maybe it just seems so small and so just whatever about it. But the truth of the matter is it's huge in the kingdom of God. Maybe it's your time that's tied up in your life. God's trying to process you and say, no, I need that time. You're spending too much time on uh, the your entertainment of this world, and you're spending too much time fellowshipping and getting uh, hooked up and getting in the yoke with people that only believe the same as you do. You're spending too much time outside of the church. Wonder where your marriage would be today. Wonder where your family would be today. I'm not being ugly here today, but I wonder if your children would be in church today if you were just willing to just yield yourself to this process and let God take you through it and yield yourself completely to him. Look at Joseph. I'm not going to go through it again, but look at him. He just kept on, I'm going to do what's right. Tell the earls, I'm going to do it. It's not fair. I've been lied upon. I've been, I've been cheated, but I, I'm just going to do what's right. And the Lord, he'll find me through this. He'll walk me through this. Come on, let's raise our hands right now. He's wanting to process us. He's wanting to process us. Oh, come on. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Come on, let's just linger here for a moment. Jesus, help us. Oh, hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Come on, church. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Oh, in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. He wants to preserve you while you're here. Oh, hallelujah. But as I close here tonight, he not only wants to preserve you while you're here on earth, this is all about eternity. What you're doing here right now, your consecration, your dedication to God is for eternity. You're going to give an account one day. You're going to stand in front of that judgment throne. And he's going to say, what about your time? What about your finances? What about the process? And you're going to have to give an account to it in God. You're not going to be having any excuses. There's not going to be any excuses. But God's going to say, what, what about it? And you're going to have to answer him. This is all about eternity. He wants to preserve us for eternity. Could be Sunday school for you. This is eternity is forever. There's a beginning, but there is no end. It's forever. The beautiful thing about Scripture is that we know that Scripture never contradicts itself. From Genesis to Revelation, there's a perfect alignment with itself. An incredible thing for our modern Bibles that we read because through translation, some of it, you know, it's, it's just incredible. But let me tell you something, if you didn't know this already, Joseph was the type and shadow of Jesus Christ. Joseph, was, you find no fault. Joseph did what was right. Oh, and we, we, we look to the New Testament and we find Jesus Christ. 
he was just doing what was he was buying anything. He shed his blood. He was spit upon, mocked, ridiculed, abused. But he kept on doing what was right. Why did he do that? Why did he hang on Calvary's cross? So that you and I could be preserved for eternity. We don't deserve it. We're just sinners. But by the grace of God and through His forgiveness and by His blood being shed on Calvary's cross, we can begin this process to spend eternity with Him. I want to be preserved for eternity. I want my life on earth here to be full of uh, the goodness of God and the glory of God, but I want to be saved. I want to be saved. Come on, why don't we stand to our feet here today? Why don't we raise our hands Hallelujah, Jesus. If you're here today and you've not received salvation by the evidence of speaking in tongues, the infilling of the Holy Ghost, being baptized in Jesus' name, oh, tonight's your night. Oh, He wants to forgive you. If you're a sinner here tonight, you can come to this altar and repent of your sins and ask God to forgive you. And He'll do it. And He'll start this process. He'll start this beginning so that Oh, I can be preserved for eternity. Come on, this front's open. The altar's open. I think it would be appropriate if every one of us would come. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah. This is every one of us. This is applicable to every one of us. We're all being processed here tonight. What are we going to do with it? How are we going to respond? What are we going to do? Oh, I want to be used you tell God, I, I want to be used, God. You can use me. If you can use anything, you can use me. You sing about it all the time. But yeah, but are you willing to be processed? Are you willing to do what's right? Oh, come on. Oh, I want to be used. Oh, but do you want to be processed? that position, oh, I want that old title, but are you willing to be processed? Oh, come on right now. Oh, are you willing to be processed? Oh, I want to be, I want to be Pastor Mayo's right-hand man. I want to be Sister Mayo's right-hand lady, but are you willing to be processed? Oh, are you willing to let God work you over and eliminate some things out of your life? Oh, that's the real question. Oh, hallelujah. He wants to use you, but you want to be processed. Oh, hallelujah. Come on. Hallelujah. Come on. Let's respond. Oh, hallelujah. Let's not take this as another Tuesday night's message. Hallelujah. But come on. Oh, let's take a few moments here tonight. Oh, let us apply this to our lives. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Yeah, that's it. Hallelujah. He wants to use you. Oh, he wants to use you. Yeah. Oh, he's really called you. The calling on your life is real. Oh, but are you willing to be processed? Yeah. 